I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hawkeye Nation podcast, HawkeyeNation.com. Andrew Downs and Rob Howe with you once again on a Monday. Rob, what's up, man? Doing great, Andrew. It's good to talk to you. It's good to be back on the podcast. We're back on a regular schedule, at least for this week. Yes. We'll see what happens next week. <laughs> exactly. Anything that happens <laughs> is, is And we may have to get together again because it's just it just seems like every day it's just it gets weirder. It, and we're, we're we're obviously we'll talk about this more, but we're waiting on the Big Ten now, and you've got parents. It seems like each each time I look at social media, there's a new parent group, you know, reaching out or speaking out against the Big Ten. It's just what a crazy year. Good thing we got this podcast started this year. <laughs> 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 yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, man. Uh, I guess before we get into any of that stuff, how are you doing? How are you, you recovering nicely? We're now, what, a week week beyond your appendectomy. You, you, you're doing a little better. Yeah, I'm about 10 days out. They're telling me, you know, they told me not to lift, lift more than 10 pounds. I think I may have gone over that with the charcoals on the grill. Um, got back on the grill this weekend, and nice. that bag was probably over 10 pounds, but I'm willing to make, uh, I'm willing to take that risk in order to I'm one of those guys that, you know, I would love the conve- convenience of a gas grill. I, I see, you know, like I'll go over friends' houses and see them just kind of hit that ignite button and boom, they're ready. But I, the charcoal, man, it just, I can't get away from that. So I'm still on the charcoal grill. Is it, is it for you, is it the flavor or is it the process? Yeah, definitely the flavor. Okay. The process isn't great. I mean, I've gotten it down pretty much to a science at this point, but it's definitely the taste. I, I definitely can taste the difference. Are you a are you a gas grill guy? So I, I have both, um, and and okay. I prefer the charcoal, but I do think part of it for me is just the process of it. You know, just having to go out there and pile it up and light the fire <laughs> and let it. You know, let it get going and all that um but I, I do have the gas grill just in case because as you said it is really nice to just push that button uh but more and more you know everybody seems to be into like smoking meat which is something i'm not into and, and hopefully won't get into because it seems like an expensive hobby uh, but i do wonder how much of that is just kind of a the process of it you know getting up at 5 a.m and and putting the meat on and then also the the social media aspect of it because seems like you can't smoke a brisket without 
letting the world know about it. Yeah, and I've thought about that, the green egg thing, but yeah. I don't see the appeal at all of getting up at 5 a.m. to start <laughs> exactly. cooking anything at any time. So and I know enough people who are doing it. Me from that. <laughs> I know enough people doing it that I'm going to get some of that meat anyway. I don't I don't have to do all the work. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I'll sleep in. You go for it. Exactly, exactly. Well, nobody would be doing that tailgating, at least not in the, uh, the Big Ten this season, at least not as we know right now. Um, a lot has happened since you and I spoke last week, Rob, on, on Thursday, I guess it was, and, and we did tease that this podcast would be basketball heavy, and it certainly will be, but uh, we do need to hit on some of the newsy things that have happened uh, in the Big Ten and, and with Iowa sports here in the last few days, uh, one of which just happened this morning as Gary Barta put out a letter uh, talking about kind of season ticket plans, plans for a spring season, and the financial impact that no football is likely going to have on the Iowa Athletic Department, but let's start with last week when uh, more than 60 parents of Iowa football players got together and penned a letter to the Big Ten to Kevin Warren. They hand-delivered that letter last week uh, to the Big Ten home office and are, as far as we know, still awaiting a response. They've been joined by parents from several other schools, uh, Ohio State, Michigan, Nebraska, Penn State, have all kind of had these things going. Uh, Ohio State um, ha- had a player start a petition that has you know well over 200,000 signatures as we sit here on, on Monday morning. Uh, there, there is a big push right now, Rob, to, if not reconsider or reverse the decision to cancel fall sports, and, and namely football, in the Big Ten, to at the very least give some concrete answers as to why that decision was made, especially when we saw a day or two later the Big 12 come out with all of their reasoning and all of their, uh, uh, you know, being being pretty pretty open about their process and what they plan, how they plan to mitigate this thing if they do get going. Um, so I guess what, what are your? Uh, we we have to hear something from the Big Ten soon, right? Yeah, you would think. I mean, there has to be some transparency here. You have so many student-athletes, and those are really the... And we talked about this on Thursday, Andrew, the lack of transparency from the Big Ten just on why it made that decision. That's all they have to do is, is you know, come out and say this, here's our... Here's, you know, it seems like all of the Power Five conferences and these, even, you know, other conferences that have decided to at least postpone till the spring or at least try to play in the spring um have they, they have to have similar um science and medical advice and you would think that the pac 12 and the big 10 had similar medical advice in terms of canceling the fall season what did the university presidents because i still think this is a, still a president you know, chancellor decision here. I know people are coming down on Kevin Warren and he certainly has a role in this, but you know, I, I think the big 10 that universities owe it to these student athletes and in conjunction, the parents to let them know why, um, that shouldn't be that hard to me, um, for, for making that decision. I have to think that with the momentum this is getting now with, as you mentioned, I think five big 10 schools have formally, and then you had Justin Fields, uh, start a petition, I believe yesterday on Sunday that at last check, I think had like 200,000. I'm sure it's beyond that now, uh, signatures to play again. I, I just wonder if whatever the reasoning that comes back, Andrew will be accepted by the athletes and the parents. If that's really, if they're, if the, if the end game here is to just get that transparency or the end game is to, 
get the information and transparency and then use that to try to get them to reverse their decision. That that's it. It's and that's something I've been trying to get to the bottom of this, uh, Rob. Last week on on our radio shows here in Des Moines, we had a few of the parents on. We talked to uh, Maurice Goodson, Julie Wagner, and uh, Tawana Smith, Brandon Smith's mother. And that that was kind of my big question for all of them: is uh, will anything short of a reversal of this decision be satisfactory to you? And and to a person, to their credit, they did say. Really, the big thing we're looking for is more communication. Uh, obviously, the I think the hope is that the more communication will lead in some way to a reversal of this decision, uh, which honestly, I, I have a hard time seeing. Uh, the Big Ten, I don't think, made this decision in, in a knee-jerk way, although, again, without them being very transparent about how, uh, I could see why people would call that into question. Uh, I, I, I have faith that they didn't do this in a knee-jerk way, and I can't imagine that uh, even – even a lot of parents, even a big push, even a lot of momentum going the other way will, will make them change their decision. Uh, and again, ultimately, and I, I try to put this out every time I'm talking about this, this this conversation isn't over yet. We we don't know what these other leagues are going to do. We know what they're doing today, and we know what they plan to do. Uh, but until they actually get on the field, we don't know for sure that there's going to be any college football played this fall. So uh, you, you need to reserve a little judgment for that. And, and ultimately, the Big Ten may look uh, prescient here, but... No matter what, they're going to look bad if they aren't more transparent about why this happened. And again, you know, I want the answers because I'm a fan. You want the answers because you cover this team. The parents and players deserve these answers. I mean, they they put a lot into this program. They put a lot into their kids. And as uh, as Tawana Smith told me last week. They'd been on the phone with Gary Barta and and Kirk Ferentz, and they felt comfortable about where things were at Iowa. So they don't understand what the disconnect is then from from there to the Big Ten. They were okay with what was happening at Iowa. They they were okay with the systems in place. Uh, but why was that not enough for the Big Ten? And again, they just don't have the answers. And as of now, uh, Kevin Warren or nobody else at the Big Ten has has made that clear. Yeah, it's just it's just anarchy, isn't it, Andrew? I mean, it's just depending on who you talk to, whether it be uh, you know medical professionals. Some say it's safe, some say it isn't. You have you know different conference presidents uh, or conference commissioners saying different things. There's just so many different messages out there that it's hard to really get a handle on anything here and. It's when you have two conferences that shut down and three that are still going, you're just, you're going to have questions that probably aren't going to be able to be answered. And we've talked about it before. This is a, I won't get, I'm not going to go far into these, these weeds again, because I know it aggravates people, but it, it is a new virus and we don't know everything. We're learning as we go. Um, I believe it was over the weekend. We heard that more rapid tests will be available. I believe for, uh, the NFL are, are using these things and, you know, possibly the college football, uh, conferences that are still moving on. How, 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 you know, what's the availability of these tests? What's the cost of these tests? You read it and there's different, you know, there's, there are different numbers. There are different stats. Um, and it just, I think it just, it leads to confusion and really, the inability to get answers on this. I will say this. I, I, the way Iowa was going in terms of being able to, um, you know, proceed and mitigate 
um, outbreaks. I think Iowa's done a really good job. And, and Dr. Andy Peterson, uh, who's on Twitter, has answered a lot of questions about this. The Iowa doctor uh, for for um, for football and, and men's basketball, just on their procedures and how they were able to control it. The thing that I would worry most about Andrew after this weekend and seeing um, some of the way the the, the general student population. We saw videos, uh, I think it was Georgia or Alabama. We saw the videos from Ames. I've had people around here in Iowa City now that the students are back in town seeing how the the general student population is handling itself. So if you're going to have football, are you going to allow those football players on campus for classes and mingling with these people that at least a, a certain percentage of them are not following guidelines or are you going to keep them in a bubble in the football facility and just have them go online? That to me is, is if, if the big 10 were to reverse its decision, you're going to have, there are some universities that are already the majority of it's online and it'd be easier to have that quote unquote buzzle bubble, bubble, excuse me for the football program. But for a place like Iowa and even Iowa state, when you're sending these football players out of the football building out amongst the general student population on campus, that, that worries me. I'm concerned about, um, you know, c- contracting the virus in that. I, I think they could do it if they just stayed within a football bubble. But once you get out amongst the general population, it's going to be hard to control that. Bubbles seem to work and, and anything else seems to not work. You know, gathering in groups of people seems to lead to outbreaks. Uh, but we've seen the bubble work in, in a couple of sports here uh, in this country. And, and that's certainly something that you and I will talk about in a few minutes as we transition into basketball. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We did get a, a letter today from uh, from Gary Barta uh, to, uh, I guess it was originally kind of provided to Iowa season ticket holders, but has now been uh, widespread as a press release. And uh, among the things in there... Talks about the you know the the commitment to to the student athletes and, and trying to kind of figure this thing out, working, uh, beginning the process on how a spring season for fall sports would work, beginning the process of how winter and spring sports seasons could work. Uh, a lot has happened since March. They've learned a lot uh, and they feel confident that they can figure something out here. Um, and and finalizing a plan to get the department through significant financial challenges associated with this pandemic. And to that end, uh, Gary Barta lays out kind of what that challenge is they anticipate a lost revenue of approximately a hundred million dollars and an overall budget deficit between 60 and 75 million dollars uh, they said they are working hard to find solutions these decisions will be very challenging and that to me seems like laying the groundwork for again some yeah some some really tough decisions uh probably losing sports probably salary cuts um i guess how did you read this when you when you got it this morning rob yeah, a lot of layers to this, aren't there, Andrew? Uh, you <laughs> there think are. about what's going on in the the environment of college athletics, and it's interesting to um, 
see these numbers coming out from Gary Barta, and I'm sure there are similar throughout the Big Ten and around the country. And then, you know, a, a sidebar to this is, you know, these players having more of a voice now and coming out and speaking about having a bigger say in things and a bigger part of the pie. And you see the numbers that are plainly generated by these student athletes yeah. and you wonder, mm, yeah, you're not going to pay these guys. Uh, no name image <laughs> likeness. Uh, you have to think that the landscape of college athletics is about to, to undergo a major shift. And it'll be interesting to see as we move forward here, how this is going to impact college sports along the line. And, you know, the thing for me is, when I saw those numbers, I immediately started to think about not in revenue sports because we're going to have college football. We're going to have men's basketball, most likely wrestling and women's basketball at Iowa. What about the other sports? Are they going to be saved or we're going to have cuts? We've seen it at Stanford. We've seen it at other schools. Uh, that's the concern for me because I'm one of those people that, you know, I, you know, the institution's great and, uh, overall, uh, you know, Pride in, in, in a university is, is wonderful, but to me, it's ultimately the, the, the people that make it up and the student athletes to me are the most important. And to think about, you know, maybe losing cross country or gymnastics or, uh, other sports that really have, um, uh, you know, an important role, I think not only in the athletic department, but in the community, uh, it's sad to think about that, but I, I worry, I, I really worry about that when I look at, when I hear these budgetary, uh, releases and, and see how much money's being lost. Um, I wonder where things are going to go here over the next year. Yeah. You, you wonder how many sports will, will get cut and, and what happens to those. You also wonder if they can figure out a way to, to do a spring football season, uh, how much of that, how much w would that mitigate some of these losses if, if they can get a TV contract, you know, with the Big Ten to, to play eight games this spring? Um, obviously, they're going to do whatever they can to to get the winter and and, fall, and spring sports going. Uh, certainly, men's basketball and, and the NCAA tournament. It sounds like they've been that that's been a big focus, uh, certainly for for the NCAA, where they have a little bit more power uh, on the the basketball side that they do on the football side. Um, and again, it's just it just shows this this lack of leadership, this lack of of a governing body. Uh, I know Dave Schwartz put a piece up on on Hawkeye Nation this weekend about like where is the NCAA? Uh, it's just mind blowing that that we've come this far. And I guess you know there's an extent to which this is going to be kind of a reckoning for college football and and how we've run things and how much money uh, has has been generated and and how then we've dealt with that money and how we've treated players and their cut in all of this and uh, coaching salaries and TV contracts. Um, it's just going to be a, a painful reckoning to, to kind of hit the reset button on a lot of these things. Yeah. And I think if we learn, I mean, at the very least, we're the, I think players and their parents are going to have a bigger say in yeah. decisions. I just from, from safety to, um, because I think that's going to be the concern that we're looking at going into if there's spring football, um, how many games do you play? How can you play? You know, how many games can you play in the spring? How many games can you play in the fall of 2021? What's safe? Uh, which players are going to, you know, opt out in the spring uh, for the NFL, you know, preparing for the NFL. Uh, there are so many things that are going to develop over time. And uh, I, I, college football really, really needs to take a step back and, and figure out what it wants to be and what it wants to do. Um, 
we've heard Dan Gavitt, who is basically, uh, the, for lack of a better term, uh, the basketball commissioner of the NCAA, talk about, you know, meeting with, you know, stakeholders in college basketball. And we'll talk about this more um, in a minute, but, you know, creating a bubble. And there just seems like organization there, whereas football, the NCAA comes out and says, okay, for any college athletes this fall, there are no championships, hmm. division one, division two, II, division three, junior college, whatever, you know, Mark Emmert and his, uh, the president of, uh, the NCAA, not the, not my friend from the Des Moines <laughs> register. Um, I always have to qualify that because yes. I feel bad seeing Mark take punishment on, uh, on, on social media as an innocent party. But, um, the NCAA obviously has control over everything, but major college football. And that has to change because we've seen just the disarray that it's created, you know, during this summer. And I, 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 it's, it's, it's troubling to me that it took something like this to figure that out, how they did not. I mean, these people are way smarter than me, how they didn't see that this was going to be a problem at some point. Yeah. You felt like something, you know, whether or not you knew a pandemic was coming something was going to come along and upset this apple cart and, and they seem completely not ready for it. And honestly, it seems like they didn't spend the last five months uh, making these decisions or, or preparing. It kind of feels like it's it's all happened in the last handful of weeks. I'm sure that's not completely true, uh, but it does kind of feel that way. It doesn't necessarily... Yeah, uh, go ahead. You would, you would think that they would be able... Like, we're at a point now where it's been almost a week with the Big Ten yeah. making its decision. And the college athletes, the, the football players are still in limbo. Can they practice? What's the fall look like? It, you know, is there, there's no plan for the spring. If you're going to, if you were, if one of the options was canceling fall football, you would think when they made that announcement that they would already have in place yes. the potential of a spring season and giving people that saying, here are some options that we have for the spring, not Jeff Brom or, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, Ryan Day or Jim Harbaugh putting out potential plans, but the Big Ten putting out a plan and then saying, okay, we're going to stop practicing now. Student athletes, when they come back onto campus for whenever, for Iowa, it's next Monday, August 24th, they can train. This is going to be the, basically the fall is now an off season for college football in the Big Ten. What is the training plan? What, what, when can they practice? What, you know, what, what's going to prepare them for what you've already put out there as a potential spring season and leading up to that? There's no answers. It's basically just, yeah, good luck. You know, we'll get back to you when we get back to you. The Big Ten has just fumbled this on so many levels, Andrew. It's really disappointing because it's usually a conference that's got its crap together and it doesn't right now. Hopefully college basketball will be able to get its crap together uh, here in the next couple of weeks, next couple of months, and, and get something put together. You know, we, we talked a, a few weeks ago now, Rob, about bubbling, you know, the conference. And, uh, you know, however you have to do that, uh, it seems like a lot of schools are going to be online only, you know, after Thanksgiving until, you know, at least late January, early February. That gives you a couple full months uh, where even if you took a break at the holidays, you could bubble guys up maybe bubble up two groups in each conference and then have them in different areas. You could play three games a week and, and kind of knock out a conference schedule and, and things wouldn't be normal. 
and the schedule wouldn't be perfect, and you'd probably then have to send people back to their own campuses and then try to rebubble for an NCAA tournament. Uh, but I think that's all doable, and I think as a as a sports watching society, we've kind of come to terms with the fact that things don't have to be normal. But if you put the games on, we'll watch and we'll care, and, and that's the important thing. Uh, they need to find a way at this point to have a college basketball season, and it seems like they're working in that direction. It seems like the bubble talk it hasn't been kind of thrown out as ridiculous. It seems like it's something that that they are considering as as they look how well it works in the NBA. And you think about how many fewer players we're talking about, how many fewer coaches we're talking about. Uh, the the you know, time between games is so much less than in football. It really seems like a, a feasible thing. Uh, and again, it's it's not going to be perfect, but I do at this point feel confident that that we will have a college basketball season. I do as well. Um, there 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 are plenty of questions. Obviously, I know you're not saying that there aren't. Pac-12 has put off. Uh, at least at this point, till January 1st at the earliest before it would play. I, that one to me was kind of a, a step that I didn't think was necessary already to, to push it all the way back to January 1st. But I don't know what their, I don't know what the Pac-12's um, academic year looks like. I, I can only speak to the Big Ten and, and specifically Iowa, which is plans to go if it can make it till Thanksgiving with students on campus. I still have some some. Uh, hesitation to say that they're going to be able to make it to Thanksgiving. I hope they can. Uh, but if they make it to Thanksgiving, then everything goes online. Um, so the, the, the students will be off campus. So basically the, the basketball players will remain on campus starting. And and this is pretty similar. It it usually pushes back till after finals in December when this happens. So it's, you know, several weeks earlier, but then the basketball players can be on campus and practice without, you know, they're still taking their courses online and it basically becomes a bubble and that lasts or can last until after Martin Luther King Jr. Day, which is middle to late January, you have that whole span almost, you know, roughly two months, maybe less than two months, seven weeks, something like that, where you can create some type of of a plan to play. Maybe you create two, three week bubbles, uh, with, you know, I'm thinking probably regionally would be best in the big 10 and maybe come up with a couple of different big 10 bubbles where you can play, you know, as you were saying, groups of games, like we're seeing in the WNBA and the NBA and even the NHL, where you can play a, you know, a a bulk of games in a short amount of time. Like you said, it's not going to be normal, but maybe if you do that through, you know, Thanksgiving through January, you know, you know, whenever they get back to, if kids can even come back on campus in January, there's so many unknowns there too. college students, we can have, uh, a good amount of the season under our belts by the end of January. And then you can adjust from there. Maybe you can have another bubble or go to more regular play. If the, there's a vaccine or there, you know, the virus is better under control and then maybe work towards that March madness again and having a having conference tournaments and the NCAA tournament from there. I there are a lot of different ways they can go here, Andrew, but I'm with you. I, I'm confident that they can figure this out. 
And it seems like, again, that they are kind of on top of it and, and paying attention to it. So we'll keep an eye on that. And obviously, uh, you know, we'll, we'll update with any new information or anything that, that we hear or see. I do think, you know, Rob, you look at Iowa's basketball team and, and obviously a lot of hype and a lot of expectation, uh, but a lot of experience and a lot of older guys who have been there for a long time, who know the program and know the system, uh, guys who have traveled across the country to play, have been to, you know, Thanksgiving tournaments and NCAA tournaments and Big Ten tournaments and uh, the, the lack of ex- or I mean the 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 wealth of experience with this Iowa basketball team probably gives them a bit of an upper hand in a situation like a bubble or like a just a disjointed season taking a few weeks off here and there and then picking it back up and having to play high level games uh, maybe this is just me with my my Hawkeye colored glasses <laughs> on here but as I kind of look at how this could play out I think Iowa is probably at an advantage here to have the the level of experience it has both in its coaching staff and and in the players on the floor. Yeah, I would agree, Andrew. And, and, you know, that's, I was well positioned, whether it would have a regular season, like a normally played season, or if it went into a bubble, you would think that um, not only would having upper-class leadership, I think it keeps guys in line with, in terms of protocol and, and, you know, taking this seriously and working towards the ability. I mean, you're a top 10, top five team. You're not going to want to take a chance of going to a keg party or something like that on campus. You're going to want to stay in line. And then once you get to a bubble atmosphere, which is a little unusual, you know, I, I, the, the experience can only help in that regard in terms of adjusting quickly to that. And heck man, there's a chance that Iowa won't have to play at Purdue or Michigan State this year. That's always, that would be a good thing because those two places have been houses of horrors for the most part for Iowa in the last decade or more. Actually, Michigan State it goes back for years, but to, the the dynamic of having that neutral court. Uh, I think could really, really help Iowa. Well, a couple of weeks ago, Rob, on, on HawkeyeNation.com, and you, 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 I may need to refresh your memory on some of this because it was almost two weeks ago, and a lot has happened since then. But you put together kind of five options for, for Iowa's starting lineup. It's something that we've talked about a little bit here on the show, and Hawkeye fans have been talking about really, uh, I mean, honestly, ever since they, they, there was a realization that, hey, Joe Toussaint's a really good player, and, uh, and Iowa's kind of a different team with him out there. But you got Jordan Bohannon coming back, and, and what's the starting lineup going to look like? Uh, you put together five options, and, and I just kind of want to run through these quickly with you and, and talk about the strengths and weaknesses of each of them and kind of what we think is going to happen with this Iowa team because as we've lost the ability to, uh, to, to kind of ponder what may come of the football season – and and look at you know the the depth chart and all that kind of you know the fun stuff we were doing on, on each pod over the last few weeks. Uh, maybe we can find some of that fun uh, as we talk about a basketball season that could potentially happen uh, this winter. Uh, and and so I'll, we'll just start with option number one. And and this was the one I laid out a couple of weeks ago that uh, I think is is probably the the obvious one. Um, but but again, there I could be talked into other op- or other versions of this as well. But option one, you've got Jordan Bohannon. CJ Frederick, Joe Wieskamp, Connor McCaffrey, and Luca Garza as your starting five. Obviously, I like this because the the amount you could spread the floor with those three shooters, Connor McCaffrey's, I think his basketball IQ, uh, his ability to dish the ball and kind of run that offense from a center position from from the four. I mean, center like centered on the floor. Um, I, I think that's huge. And then obviously, Luca Garza at the five. Um, so uh, is is the reason that's option number one because it seems like that may be the the most obvious option. For me, it is. I mean, yeah. you're talking about you know. 
basically those that five is probably the most experienced, not probably they are the most experienced of the players that are on the roster. And we talked, maybe it was last week or the week before when, um, coach Fran McCaffrey talked about having seven starters and he really does. I mean, if you throw Nunji and, and Tucson in there, yeah. he's got seven guys that have started, uh, at this level. So that to me, that lineup would be the one that I would probably start with, um, it's not the best defensive lineup because I think Nunji and Toussaint are two of the better defenders on the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, as you said, from an, I don't think this team is going to win games defensively. I think it needs to be competent defensively. It can't have games like last year at Michigan where it's just giving up, you know, a hundred points and baskets left and right. But this, this lineup from an offensive standpoint, um, and having to defend this lineup to me is the most difficult. And you can wear de- you can wear the opposition down on defense, which makes it little a little bit easier for you to defend when you're wearing them out on the other end of the floor. And spreading the floor, as you said, with Bohannon, Frederick, and Wieskamp, uh, Connor doesn't need to shoot. He can. He's getting. He seems to get better each year. Uh, but he can distribute from wherever, from the perimeter. You can put him in the high post to dump it down to Garza. You can pull Garza away from the basket and maybe, you know, use um, Wieskamp in the post uh, if he has a mismatch. There's just so many, op- so many options here offensively. And as long as Fran McCaffrey is the coach, this is going to be an offensive-minded team. And to me, this is the best offensive lineup they can put on the floor. Option number two, you've got Jordan Bohannon, C.J. Frederick, Joe Wieskamp. And then you put in Jack Nunji for Connor McCaffrey at the four and Luca Garza. More of a traditional kind of uh, positional lineup, at least. Yeah, and this gives you Nunji, the, the, who's more of a rim, rim protector. Uh, Luca's mm-hmm. getting better defensively, but Nunji's got that length and a guy that on the back end there, if you're, you know, you have bre- def, you know, d- defensive breakdowns on the perimeter, he can protect the rim a little bit. And then you still have the three guys uh, on the perimeter that can spread the floor. And Nunji can step out and Garza can step out. This, this would look more like um, having Ryan Creener in there when you, when that, when it was Creener and Garza, you know, together last year in the starting lineup, I don't know how to get, I don't remember quite remember how many games they started together, but this gives, you know, a different, that twin towers look almost a little bit, um, for opponents. And it's, and it's important to remember that just because these are the five starters doesn't mean that other right. guys don't play a lot. You know, Connor McCaffrey, I think in this situation would, would get a lot of playing time. I think Joe Toussaint's going to get a good amount of playing time, uh, no matter what, whether or not he starts. Um, and, and there is something to be said for bringing fresh guys in who have starting experience, who have big game experience, uh, you know, to, to, to spell these other guys and, and go against the other team's second team and, uh, and really make some hay there. Uh, option three, and this is my, my biggest hang-up, I think, on all of this is Jordan Bohannon versus Joe Toussaint as the starting point guard. Because over three years and ten games, the amount of which I've fallen in love with Jordan Bohannon as a player and as a Hawkeye, uh, the things he has done between the you know the the missing the free throw for Chris Street and the leaving the shoes at the you know center court of Hilton Coliseum last season, um, the guy has earned. He's earned a chance to start. He he deserves a chance to start. 
But Joe Toussaint was damn good last year, and he he provided a different look, a look that Iowa hasn't had very often at that position. Uh, he's he's the best defender in, in those positions. Uh, his his dribble drive, his the speed with which he he can do things, and then just the amount we saw him improve over the the course of that Big Ten season last year, uh, from from a freshman to a a experienced guy towards the end of that season. Uh, so with option three, you've got Joe Toussaint as the starting point guard, C.J. Frederick, Joe Wieskamp, Jack Nunji, Luca Garza, and again, just within my own head, if if it was anybody but Jordan Bohannon, I think I'd, I think I'd be advocating for Joe Toussaint to be the starting point guard on this team. Yeah, Bohannon's got a lot of equity, man. And he does, and he's, he's earned nails. it all. Yeah, he's just nails. I mean, he when he just makes the team better when he's out there, and that's in. That's got to be in your mind that that experience, I mean, you're talking about a guy who's got three full seasons of experience and then 10 games last year, just an unusual amount of experience and knowledge and, you know, feel for the game. Um, And and the trade-off here really, as you talked about, is the the on-ball defense of Joe Toussaint compared to Jordan Bohannon, but then you give it up on the offensive end in terms of the ability to score, but then Toussaint's a better, you know, guy at breaking down opposing defenses. So it's just, these are nice problems to have for me, Andrew option three is probably the least likely to happen in my mind, Mm. because I can't see Connor McCaffrey and Jordan Bohannon both coming off the bench. (laughs) Yeah, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. So option four, you've got, and and we forget, I think, or or maybe don't think of it very often, that Connor McCaffrey came into this program as a point guard. Uh, so for option four, you've got him as the starting point guard, along with C.J. Frederick and Joe Wieskamp, and then Jack Nunji and Luca Garza, that that twin tower look in the in the front court. There's a really tall lineup with yeah. with, with Connor at at point guard. It's long. Um, I don't know if it's the best defensive lineup because Toussaint's not in there, but this is a pretty good defensive lineup because I think Frederick and Wieskamp are pretty good defenders. Got a rim protector in Nunji and you know Connor's ability to guard multiple positions. There's definitely some there's definitely some intrigue with this lineup just in terms of length, and you give up a little bit with the in the outside shooting with well you give up a lot in outside shooting without Bohannon in, in this lineup but uh, definitely an interesting option and the the interesting thing and you talked about this Andrew these are lineups that may not start the game but you can see them on the floor at certain times during yes. the game even if they don't start the game so it just it, by laying this out as different options as a starting lineup it gives you an idea of what Fran McCaffrey can use throughout the game to match up with other teams and his ability to have that versatility to you know pretty much counter whatever other teams are going to throw at them and then option 5 is is a, a starting 5 that we saw quite a bit last season after uh, after what the ten games that Jordan Bohannon played, and after Jack Nunji went down with his uh, his ACL, Joe Toussaint, C.J. Frederick, Joe Wieskamp, Connor McCaffrey, Luca Garza. I do like this lineup, and again, uh, I think for me, it's between option five and option one, with the only difference being uh, who starts at point guard, Joe Toussaint or Jordan Bohannon. Yeah, for me, that's really probably what this comes down to is that option, and then. You know, I can make a case for Nunji to be in there with Garza too, just from having that rim protector and how, how important that is in basketball to have somebody back there that can block shots. And and Jack is really—he was coming on. I f- just kind of felt like he was ready to 
to take that next step last year when he when he tore the ACL. So I'm I'll be interested to see how he comes back and if he he picks up from where he left off and takes his game because I've talked to so many people that have watched practice and have an idea of what he's looked like behind the scenes and they really think that he can be he can be lights out this year. He he's really put together uh you know a, a lower post game to go with his face up game. Um like you said, Andrew, uh, that top seven uh, is going to play a lot of minutes this year. I think if you can get Patrick McCaffrey uh, healthy where he's feeling strong enough to play, you know, maybe 15 to 20 minutes a game in there, at least have the ability to do that. You have a really strong eight-man rotation, and then you kind of can fill in around there, whether it's Josh Agundale or Aaron Ulis or Tony Perkins or the um, Murray, you know, twins. You can kind of look at that freshman class and kind of fill in from there what you need or based on how they look during the preseason. But uh, just a lot of ability to throw, as I said earlier, throw different looks at opposing teams and having the ability. I'm interested to see, and as we talked about, let's just hope there's a basketball season. <laughs> but this can be really fun when, when you break it down and you look at it on, on paper. Uh, just so many options that Fran McCaffrey has to go with. And I'm sure everybody will be on board with it, whatever a coach chooses because yeah, they're course. very good at you know being in line with uh, <laughs> how he uses his, his rotations yes, and course. his bench. So yeah, I'm sure everybody will be on board with whatever he decides. Nobody questions coaches, and, and certainly nobody questions <laughs> Fran McCaffrey. Uh, if, if you want to look at these things on paper, again, HawkeyeNation.com. It was a couple of weeks ago. I think August 5th is when this was uh, actually published, but uh, it's Rob's uh, kind of breakdown of uh, I think it's not easy picking the starting five for Iowa basketball, and it certainly won't be, but it, it is a fun, it's a, it's a good problem to have. Uh, something else cool on HawkeyeNation.com. Uh, we have a, a new staff member, and, and this is a person who I'm very excited to, to kind of bring on board and, and see what she's able to do. Um, she's going to be helping run some of the social media channels. She's also going to have a, a weekly video feature uh, similar to what she had been doing uh, in her time as a student at Iowa. Of course, I'm talking about Lucy Rodine. And, uh, you know, I, I learned about her via Twitter maybe a year and a half ago or so and, and just really enjoyed following her and, and kind of watching her content. Uh, she went up to Ames last year and talked crap to a bunch of Cyclone fans, made them look dumb on camera, which is something we can all get behind. Uh, and and she's just uh, – she, she's a, a funny – and knowledgeable sports personality. Uh, I think she's got a big career ahead of her, and it's great that her post-college career starts uh, with us on Hawkeye Nation. Yeah, really, we were, you know, the the owners and myself and, and uh, you and Rick, and we were all trying to put our heads together to try to come up with, you know, some adi- staff additions here. And, you know, adding Lucy, we, we added Anna Kaiser, uh, I think Anna's done three or four stories yeah. for us so far, and she's doing one story a week, and she's been great. Uh, and Lucy just gives us another uh, area um, to for the audience, and uh, another fills another role for us. She's she's more of a visual, video, TV type. You know, that's her strength, and that's not my strength, and it's probably not your strength. Nope. We're ugly, and <laughs> yeah. we're behind the ty- we're on. behind the keyboard, or <laughs> I'm on radio for the, a reason. The microphone, yeah, face for radio <laughs> and writing. 
uh, is what I like to say. But, you know, she and it's just good to have some younger perspective. I think sometimes we get old and crusty and are set in our ways. Uh, it's nice to have a different perspective from, from folks that are younger. I got to know Lucy and Anna a little bit when they were working for the DI here in Iowa city. Um, and now they've gone and graduated and, and are ready to, to help us out. And hopefully we can be the start for, uh, some great careers for, for these guys because I think they're both really talented and they, they really are great additions to Hawkeye Nation. I would like to say, too, and, and send out my condolences and condolences of Hawkeye Nation to another staff member, Rick Brown, yeah. uh, who lost his mom this weekend. His, his dad was a longtime sports editor for the Fort Dodge Messenger, uh, and the, you know the family were – just really impactful in that community, not only from the newspaper standpoint, from just being in that community and uh, really heartfelt condolences out to Rick Brown and his family during a tough time. I, I connected with Rick through email this weekend and uh, he's holding up pretty well. Um, you know, never easy to lose a parent. So uh, best wishes out to him and his family. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I second all of that. And, and uh, just to let you know, Hawkeye Nation's not going anywhere. You know, whether or not we have football, we will be here. Uh, Rob and I will be here doing stories, doing podcasts. Uh, Rick and Dave and Lucy and Anna and everybody, we're, we're going we're gonna to keep pushing content out. And uh, things will get back to normal at some point. And until they do, we'll be here to, uh, to help you get through it. And then, you know, hopefully at some point we'll be doing instant reaction podcasts and, and having some more fun every day uh, on, on Hawkeye Nation as, as we talk about. Uh, certainly a win sports season that that has a lot of potential after uh, a lot of things were robbed from us with last winter's sports season a you know a wrestling national championship and everything Spencer Lee had going and uh, obviously the basketball team and, and the women's basketball team uh, a lot a lot to to regain from that and, and uh, we'll be here to cover it all so thank you for uh, for sticking with us through this Rob what do you have coming up this week on the site I've got several recruiting pieces. I'm going to kind of lean into that a little bit this week. Um, I got um, touch base with Anna this morning. She's going to do a story on the non-football athletes that were affected by the cancellation of fall sports in the Big Ten, from Iowa volleyball to field hockey. Um, what other sports am I thinking about? Cross country. Um, what other sports are we talking about in the fall? I kind of forget sometimes, <laughs> right. but uh, – it's all football. <laughs> yeah, I know everybody cares about football, but a lot of these women's soccer, yeah. too. That's another one. But Anna's going to kind of track down um, some, hopefully, some at student athletes from those sports to just kind of see how they're dealing with it. And I know Tyrone Tracy tweeted this out uh, over the weekend, but uh, a big part of this is the mental health of athletes, mm. student athletes, Andrew. And, and it's, it's something that gets lost, I think, in the shuffle. But this is really impactful on them from a mental standpoint, not having such a big part of their lives taken away from them. So kind of a, it'll be interesting to, to get some feedbacks from from you know, athletes that are non-football players on kind of how they're dealing with this and wondering how the athletic department will um, – maybe put some, some, uh, some, some, some things in place to maybe help these student athletes through the fall from a mental aspect, give, giving them, you know, some more counseling and things like that. Um, 
in the fall to try to kind of bridge that gap until they're able to compete again. So yes, we'll have plenty of stories out there. We'll probably try to do some more Hawkeye history podcasts, some more uh, prospect podcasts. We'll keep the mailbag podcast going as long as people have questions. Uh, again, heavy on the recruiting and we'll find things to do. We'll, we'll get through this all together and hopefully give people uh, a little bit of a, a getaway from the everyday life in the country and, and have a chance to to uh, report and, and tell stories of um, Hawkeye athletics, athletics, even though they're not competing at this point. Absolutely. I love it, Rob. This is fun as always. Thank you, man. Yeah, good to talk to you again, bud. We got through another one. Yes, we did. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> Go Hawks.